How much do you know about pregnancy and alcohol? The reality may surprise you. Alcohol exposure while in the womb may cause fetal alcohol spectrum disorder in unborn children. It may lead to lifelong physical and or neurodevelopmental impairments such as problems with memory, attention, cause and effect reasoning, and difficulties in adapting to situations. For such an impactful disorder, it is rarely spoken about in the popular media. This podcast will take you behind the scenes to chat with the people who understand FASD. This is Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Kurt Lewis, and this episode is part four of our FASD First Voices special. Today's podcast guest is a blogger, FASD advocate, guest speaker, and also a mentor for young adults with FASD, CJ Lucky. How's it going, CJ? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Just had this massive storm and now it's, thank God it's over. I don't want to ruining the sound, but just, it's, thank God it's over now. But you know, Australian mm. storms, the worst. Oh, you're in your winter now, aren't you? I know. It's weird, isn't it? You're going through summer, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> the summer dress. For everyone listening at home, I'm wearing this very tropical looking shirt, which is somewhat opposite to my season going through winter at the moment. But I always like to wear a good, fun, tropical shirt. I think it just makes the podcast come alive. What do you think? I like them. <laughs> my nephew wears them too. He loves them. Mm, sun shirts, the best. Mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, do you listen to podcasts? Do you have like a favorite podcast? I used to. I really liked some of the paleontology podcasts out there. I've never really gotten into them because they were confusing, like trying to find them and stuff. Oh, yeah. You're finding the right one. There's just so many out there at the moment. Yeah. And getting and I've never really heard of any paleontology podcasts, but you'll have to recommend me something. Okay. Some of them have gone by the wayside now, so mm. that's not good. No, not good at all. No. I know you've, you've written a number of blog posts about your experiences with FASD, that you've had published with the No FASD Australia website. Mm-hmm. What got you into writing blogs? I've always been a writer from early on, and it's just something I continued. And it's weird because I was like, I'd write or I'd, um, and I would do the speeches for the conferences. And I would tell her things. She goes, well, that doesn't fit here. So I would just do some writing on my own. And then she said, well, people want to hear this. So that's how it got started. I'm like, oh, people want to hear it. <laughs> And in kind of, you, you write very great blogs and they're very, lots of great yeah. descriptive, great information at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And it just felt the need to write this all down to kind of like spread it out there. Yeah. I actually was offered by the Asante Center to do some blogs and then the, the No Fast Australia picked up the blogs and I kind of went with No Fast D Australia and they've been so wonderful in sharing the message. I really am grateful for that opportunity and things that are said in the blogs are specific, but they're also, I want them to be universal. I want them more the theme of instead of, you know, today in my life, this is happening. But sometimes like the memory blog where I lost my backpack or when I go for coffee, those are very specific experiences, but can be shared with everybody because I think a lot of people that I know become overwhelmed in situations Mm -hmm. like coffee shops. Definitely. Out of curiosity, when did you first get diagnosed with FASD? I was actually diagnosed at birth because my birth mom 
there was, I'll call me amniotic fluid. I was the 10th child. That was the last child. And she was unfortunately drunk on arrival. And it was just an easy call to make. I got assessed when I was about five or six. Was it good being diagnosed at an early age? It was because it opened up a dialogue between, and this is the thing, I also grew up in a house full of other people who had FAS and just a variety of things. And knowing early on, we could talk about it. The thing about FAS is sometimes when a child gets diagnosed, the parents don't talk about it. So you talk about it. You can say, yes, this is hard today, or this is the reason you're struggling. Yeah, that's going to be hard. You're going to have harder time than other kids, but... We're going to get there eventually. We work a little bit at a time. The teen years, the teen years is harder. Even knowing that you have FAS, the teen years is just like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. I, I don't want to be different. I don't want this. I want to be like everybody else. So that's a, it's a bump in the road. Did that eventually change as you grew up? It did. It took a long time, though. Even knowing that I have FAS, even talking about FAS like I did, it changed you know, when I hit teen years and into my early 20s, because that's, again, the time where there's a lot of growth happening. There's a lot of hormones happening. There's also this expectation of independence and things. And you really see the divide between you and your peers, for lack of a better word. You just want to deny that you're any different. You want the same things they do, and it's not coming in as, as easily. And then uh, in your 20s, it's rather dangerous, I find, to to have a FAS in your 20s more than in your teens because in your 20s, you're legally an adult. So then you're told you have to be responsible for all these choices you make. And are they really choices if you don't understand the full reasoning or the full consequence behind those choices? And the desperation to make friends or be part of something leads a lot of people down a really dark path that sometimes really hard to walk back from. Yeah, I imagine it must have been quite kind of like a stumbling block in, in the sense going through your 20s with yes. VASD. What got you through that? I'm a little different. I grew up watching my siblings, my older siblings who had FAS. They went out and they, lack of a better word, they failed. They fell many times and they would move back home so many times, right? And they'd go out back home and go out and move back home. And also I saw their struggle with addiction. I saw all that. And at a very early age, I decided I wasn't going to drink. I wanted a lot out of life. And I knew that drinking would not get me there. And I saw enough in my older siblings and their birth family that that I knew that's the critical thing that stopped them from a lot of their stuff. I also, I got a job at Winners or TJ Maxx in the States. And I thought, okay, I have a purpose and a career. I'm going to be manager one day. And that, again, was a good focus until it wasn't, until I overworked. I was 24. I was 89 pounds, and I wasn't sleeping, and I wasn't eating, and I was just, I wasn't functioning. I had to take stress sleep for three months in order to get my mental state back in order. If my mom had not suggested, she said, well, you can do this. You can take this much time off. You have to do this. I wouldn't have known. I may have gotten fired, and I probably would have ended up in a mental hospital just because of the not sleeping and the not eating. So my mom and my dad saved my life. And then my dad died 10 days after stress leave. Mm. Yeah. That would have, must have been quite the blow. It was. It was. My mom, like, I, I can't say enough good things about my mom. Like, she was amazing. And, you know, having to, and just getting 
pass that. My mom was the, you know, quite the support. <laughs> quite the support, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Your mom sounds amazing, by the way. <laughs> she is. Well, you sound amazing as well. You're, you've clearly yeah. gone through a lot. I think everyone goes through a lot. It just seems like a lot when, when you're a lot more open about it. Like, you know, I think everybody, and that's the other thing. People go through a lot. Everybody goes through so much. And it's just the idea that you're not alone. I'm not the only one who, who have had, you know, stress sleep. I'm not the only one who has lost a parent. I'm not the only one, right? But when you have FAS, a lot of the time you're made to feel like the only one and poor you. And it's, you have to balance that with, yeah, this sucks. But at the same time, I'm not alone. And even though it feels like it, the critical point is life will get better. And that's really hard because in the moment, you're just living in the moment. It's going to be like this forever, but it's not. Hmm. And it's, it's really important that everybody know that the moment you're going through is not your whole life. That That's great advice, to be honest. I yeah. couldn't, yeah, I've said it, but you've, that is clearly really good advice. <clears throat> sorry. <coughs> oh, sorry. Got me a bit emotional there myself. I'm uh, so sorry. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I like hearing this kind of stuff. I like when it gets emotional because that's no, I know when my listeners are listening, hopefully they're listening and going, they feeling that too. What is it like living with FASD? What are the, can you give us any examples of the symptoms you kind of go through on a day to day basis? Uh, memory. <laughs> I can see memory right there. I've been on anti-anxieties and antidepressants since my stress leave, and I haven't gone off, which is great. However, remembering to take them sometimes doesn't always work. The way I remember is either my mom or actually my son. The, mem- the memory stuff is really hard, and the anxiety that's linked to memory it's not anxiety for worry's sake. It's have I remembered this? Did I forget anything? It's a constant. My mind's washing machine is did I forget it? Did I remember it? Did I forget it? <laughs> so speaking of washing machines, I stay home. Like literally Wednesday is my laundry day. I do laundry. I clean on Wednesdays. I try not to leave the house because if I leave the house, it won't get done. Like I'll forget when I come back that I have laundry. I forget in the house that I have laundry, but it's a lot easier to remember. So memory, anxiety, and money, like math. I'm quite frugal. I just, I worry about overspending or being impulsive with my money. And I've been told that I'm the least impulsive with my money, but not with things that come out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess being non-impulsive money, that's, I think that's kind of important. You don't want to go out and spend what you don't have at the end of the day, like a lot of people do. Yeah. And I think it's either, you know, one or the other. Like, I know that when some of my siblings still get their check, my mom had to like pay the rent and stuff, right? Or pay their rent out of their check and stuff. And then they just go and spend it or they'd rack up debt because it it just happens so fast. And if you're not support, like I'm supported, like I live at home and I'm supported and that makes a huge difference. It really does. I have a person to bounce off of I can say hey is this a good idea and even if I trust me I did not like hearing my mother say have you thought about this have you thought about that what if that happens and I'm like I don't need to hear that I'm young Mm. I can do what I want Mm. (laughs) right so it it was a clash but but the supports are really really important I can't stress that enough I'm lucky to have a lot of people supporting me. Like I have my sister, Angie. I have my sister, Kitty. I have my mom. I have my son. I have my next door neighbor and I have my friend, Dave and Nicole. 
Nicole married a fantastic man named Brian, who's brother Dave, and he's a r- good friend of mine. Mm. And and Regina, their support means so much. Mm. And I can never, I don't, I don't take that for granted because they're just they're good people, and I'm so lucky to have found good people. You find that group of people that just really helps us a lot in life. It is support circle, a circle mm-hmm. of support in essence. And I imagine yeah. it, it helps and, you. And, you know, I, it goes both ways. Mm. It goes both ways. And, oh, my gosh, the ALC. The ALC. The ALC, uh, what's that? Miles and Kat and Anique and mm. Justin and Emily. Ah, Having yeah. them, like, at conferences is so much fun. And they get you. They're just like, yeah. Like my friend Kat. I can't believe I forgot Kat. Oh, my God. Don't tell her I forgot her. (laughs) My friend Kat. She's amazing. We talk almost every night. And I'll be like, oh, I forgot this. And she'll be like, I know. Like she's totally cool with it. Or she'll forget something. Like I know. Mm. And and having that understanding with someone else with FBS is so, so nice. Uh, Just for the listeners who are unaware, what is the AOC? Mm. Uh, Am I saying that right? A- oh, uh, ALC. ALC, sorry. ALC, ALC like uh, like London. We're a, a group of people with food alcohol spectrum disorder, and we help with the conferences, and we actually put out two surveys, uh, one on health about mm. five years ago, and mm. the other one on quality of life just recently. I think we're working on getting that one published. Mm. And we're like community researchers. Oh. We have different, we all have been from through different things, different mm-hmm. walks of life for different ages, different genders, different uh, ethnicities. And we, the point of our group is that we are different, but we are very similar. And because of all of our different experiences, we can bring that to the table and we can talk about it and we can empathize with one another and we can really get a, a picture of the different walks of life that FAS has yeah, because it does affect everybody. It doesn't just affect the first nations community. Mm. It doesn't just affect low end communities. It affects everybody. Mm. And I think that's what people need to know is, is it affects everybody. I'm actually working on a blog on the unintended Mm. consequences of the hundred percent preventable message. Mm. And what that says about people who do have FAS who are born with it. Um, I, I look because, forward to reading it. It sounds interesting. Yeah, because this is we're preventable. Mm. And in a way we are, but in another way, are we? Right? Like, are forest fires preventable? Yeah. Smokey yeah. the Bear says so. <laughs> but look at how many people accidentally flick out a, a cigarette not mm. thinking. Or lightning uh, strikes or stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. It's in a lot of times, addiction is is a lightning strike. Also, it's part of the blog is I grew up in the shadow of like 100% preventable and look at the future of these people. And that was the other driving force is I didn't I didn't want to end up the worst case scenario because I'm reading the broken cord as well because I'm going back to the very beginning. There was a quote. It says an, a lifetime burden. I didn't want to be a lifetime burden. and I didn't want to be a victim. Yeah. So I'm trying to write about how to move forward with those messages of healthy pregnancy and acceptance of sometimes people have FAS. So that's what I'm working on. It's, it takes a long time, though, to construct it because of yeah. all the different thoughts and all the different notes. And, yeah, I've got posts all around with quotes and stuff, and I take them off. I'm like, is this what that is? And then I date them, too, so I know. <laughs> yeah. 
with the memory, what are some of the other major challenges you have to face with that particular symptom? I know you've mentioned a couple of examples yeah. in, in from your yeah. blog. Is there yeah. any other kind of major things you, you face with that with the memory, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, yeah. For work, if I don't write it down, then I'll forget it. But then I'll write it down and I'll lose it mm. and then I won't. So I, I messed up my work schedule tons and it's all disability based. And in the blog, I was having trouble asking because I work in the fitting room, asking for the, the number card back from the person. Yeah. And I had, they don't work for winners anymore for whatever reason. They don't. I've had really great managers and this one, she, I'm not sure I'm, I don't want to be paranoid, but I think she just didn't really want me in her store mm. because she said I was allowed to, cause I was forgetting cause I was stressed. It was, it was, I had transferred to the store and I was just trying to like absorb everything. Yeah. And so I'd forget and she'd find the numbers in the back and she said it was a loss prevention issue. Like someone could just say, I have, I have five instead of six and look, I forgot my number in the back. And so I said, okay, I, can I write a note? And she was sure. And so I wrote myself a post-it and I was doing really well. I'd look at the post-it and I'd ask, I'd look at the post-it and I'd ask. And then she found out that it was on, the customers didn't even see it, but it was on the desk. It was just mm. a little post-it. And she said, no, you have to keep it in the drawer. And I was like, well, how am I supposed to remember the note if it's in the drawer? Like that, I can't yeah. see it. So, and it's also the lack of other people's understanding of the memory I'll tell someone, like, I was in a grocery store with my son. Grocery stores and coffee shops are the same type of overwhelming because everything's going on. Like, you just forget. You look around, you go, oh, sparkly thing. And you're like, what was I doing? Mm. I'm like, oh, look at that. What was I doing? <laughs> it was, it's a lot of that. And so it's a lot of energy. And I was in a grocery store with my son because of COVID and, and where the grocery store is. They have a code to get into the bathroom and he had to pee and I asked the lady I said well what's the code and she rattled it off really fast Mm. and I was like can you say that again and she said it again I said can you write it down for me and she goes it's four numbers I said well I have a memory problem and I I need to get from here to there and she goes it's four numbers like you can do it you know because I have a son because I can take the bus because of all this stuff people don't always see it as a memory problem and it's it's frustrating Mm. I can imagine it must be very frustrating dealing with people who don't understand that you have memory problems and it's just... It, it is frustrating. But again, I guess it's about perspective because if you have not had experience, mm. if a young person goes up like, I have a memory problem, they're mm. probably going to be like, well, don't smoke pot. <laughs> if it's a young problem, then it's like, well, how do you have a memory problem? What mm. does that look like? You know, everybody forgets and mm. they do, but it's, there's another layer yeah. and it's really hard to convey to somebody behind a glass partition mm. asking for the code to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I'm like, I don't really want to launch into this. My son has to pee. He's going to go on the floor before I finish talking to you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any strategies to help you with these memory kind of issues with your FASD as a whole? Oh, yeah. Lists. I write things down so much. I write them down. I will repeat like in my head, like 
I will try and repeat out loud as well. There's a lot of mumbling to myself. You know, if I'm mumbling to myself about remembering something, it totally keeps the seat next to me on the bus clear. (laughs) People think I'm insane. It works works fine. I will ask somebody to help me remember. Like, I have some really great friends. Like, my best friend, Nicole, we've been best friends since, like, sixth grade which is amazing. And, or, or people will text me or remind me of things. And my, my friend will text me like my friend who works at uh, Regina, she works at winners and she'll text me my schedule sometimes when I forget. Most of the people I've worked with have been really understanding about how I function. And it's just, it's very humbling and, and very, I'm so appreciative of it because I found that a lot of people don't have to be, they have their lives and I get it. And the fact that they will take the time to remind me is just very humbling and, and appreciative. I'm guessing that support network plays a really big part in helping mm-hmm. you get, you have your own kind of like support network. Would you kind of recommend to other people having yes. like their own network? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A routine, a routine really helps. Routine. Like, like Wednesdays I do laundry. So mm-hmm. I won't forget my laundry. Theoretically, I won't forget my laundry. Mm. I will forget to switch the laundry. Mm. It'll take all day, but I won't forget that I'm doing laundry because yeah. that is marked off for laundry day. Lists for grocery shopping. My mom does a lot of the grocery shopping because I'm, she says I'm not allowed at Costco anymore. Oh, really? uh, there was an incident. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't like a lot of people like around me. So it was mm. very like, I was pushing the buggy and this lady stops in front of me, just stops mm. and just yeah. goes to get something. She doesn't mm. put her buggy to the side like oh. you're supposed to. Mm. And I got mad at the lady. <laughs> I got mad at the lady. I'm like, have some buggy etiquette. And it was Christmas. I don't know why. <laughs> so mom's like, we're not, we're not going to take you to Costco anymore. I'm like, oh, good. I'm like, there's online. Mm. Like, I love online shopping. It works so well, which oh, is yeah. bad because I work in a brick and mortar retail store and I'd like people to keep shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Leading by example. Exactly. But for groceries and stuff, it's so wonderful to be able to have the list in front of you at your computer and just be like, I need this or I need that. And you have a calculator right in front of you and you can do that. Yeah. So shopping online really helps with the memory because I've got the list and lists are, are, are amazing. Texts are amazing when people text you things and, uh, posted notes. I think that's it. Yeah, post-it notes. Yes, I have about 10 of them right now, Ooh. all over my room. Are they, like, it's helpful yes. for having them out? Yeah, some of them are notes for blogs. Some of them are notes for, like, books I want to read. Mm. And some of them are phone numbers. And some of them are actually passwords. <laughs> <laughs> the great thing about I'm always forgetting my passwords. Mm. So they're like, do you want to change your password? I'm like, yes. And then I'll forget that I changed it. <laughs> I, have, I have, like, binders and books and stuff Ooh. that I can refer to do you have any advice or like tips for people with fasd or caregivers who are helping a person with fasd who may be listening at home i i like the 20s are going to be a, a gong show just just putting it out there it's not going to be easy it's probably going to be a lot harder than teen years it's going to be probably unfortunately the hardest time of mm. both your lives but please hang in there it sounds dumb but please hang in there and Oh, just take, yeah, literally take one moment at a time, one day at a time. 
And routine. Routine is so, so important. So important. Like Wednesday is a cornerstone of my whole week. Wednesday's laundry day. I've become a little more flexible now. And then my son, he knows that Sunday is pancake day. And Friday is movie night. So I get up and make pancakes for him. Mother's Day was funny because he gave me breakfast in bed. And he said, don't worry, you can make me pancakes after. (laughs) So, Like, thank you. I'm so, you know, he got me my yogurt and coffee. Anyway, toast. And he says, you can make pancakes when you're done. Just, you know, so that our Sunday wasn't (laughs) completely out of routine. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So make pancakes. And it becomes a habit and it becomes a ritual and it becomes a way to remember as well because certain things don't change. At the beginning, I was quite inflexible about Wednesdays. But now I can go to coffee for maybe, well, not now because of COVID, but Mm. before, like, you know, my friend would drive out we do coffee for an hour and I go home and then I do my laundry or I do my laundry before the coffee. Right. I could do that now. I could plan better, but it takes a long time to get a routine started and to get it so that you can work around the routine. It's a, it's a big thing is routine and sometimes they're rigid on it and that's no fun for the person watching, Mm. but it's, it's a critical piece for the person who needs it. CJ, I just want to, Thank you for all your amazing advice, all your amazing story. And I just, yeah, I was really just, I felt rather touched by it all. And you just, it's just been, it's just fantastic. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you. Thanks again, CJ. I really enjoy chatting with you. And I know our listeners will really value hearing your insights and living with FASD. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. Please tune in next week for another episode of Our Little Podcast. If you like this podcast episode, then please show your support by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Every little bit helps. All rights reserved. For more information about FASD, then please go to www.nofasd.org.au.